Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. I am TJ Jackson, and with me is my eldest brother, Taj Jackson. What's up, T? What is going on, Taj? We are live, of course, on Facebook and YouTube, and you may also be listening to us right now via a podcast. Um, By the way, last episode we did was 250 episodes. Yes. Um, Not all 250 are visual like this one, Um, but if you found yourself either subscribed to our Facebook or YouTube channel, and this is how you're consuming our shows, our content, just know there are many more shows out there that you may not have listened to yet on a podcast. So whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, make sure to check out our podcast because that's also a way for you to listen to each and every show. Uh, We do these shows every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And like I said, we're over 250 episodes, which has been one of our big goals since we started uh, doing the Power of Love show. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, One thing I do have to say on behalf of my brother Todd and our entire foundation is that we are not licensed therapists. We are just ordinary people who've experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it and we have learned from it. So We here, we like to share our opinions in an attempt to help you get through whatever it is you may be going through. Saying that, if you think you need professional help, we urge you to seek it and to find it. Please do not just rely on us. Um, Grief, loss, dealing with issues is very, very uh, challenging. Ebbs and flows, so many different things. And it's important for you to know that you can reach out for help. And you can try to seek help if you feel it's needed. Um, So that's something that's very important that we want to make sure all of you know. I am in Las Vegas, which happens to be, let me make this prediction. I think it's your favorite city, right, Taj? Uh, It's, if it isn't, it is. Yeah. I mean, there's literally, because London was also one of my favorite cities, but I haven't been to, I haven't been in London so long in a way that you know vegas is always my go-to it's my favorite city for feeling in terms of like i just love vegas traveling is the problem driving to vegas if they had a speed you know train or whatever vegas would be ultimately everything for me i'd be there every day but todd you you do let's say it this way your favorite city in the states yes definitely for sure right yeah um, okay, well, I, I'm in your favorite city, Taj. I'm enjoying a little vacay with Franny J. Uh, we're just relaxing. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you, Taj. It's important to get away, and that's what we're doing. We're, we're getting some you, time dude. away before the madness of school starts, which for us is next Ooh, week. You're smart. Um, yeah. I know a lot of the listeners and followers and viewers are knowing about school coming up, so we just wanted to get a nice little uh getaway before you know, before it's time to get back into that crazy grind. Mm-hmm. Um, Taj, anything else going on exciting in the last week that you want to share with the community before we get into our wonderful show? 
No, it's not. Tosh. Really. No, let me help you out. Okay. We had some family members come in town, right? And we met up as a family. Jeez, that's how crazy my life is. We it's had, okay, yeah. Charles. You sound like me, but it's okay. Yeah, I do sound like you. Um, yes, we had some we had some family members come in um, from New York, and you know, family's so important anyway. And that, but then when you haven't seen someone, for, I think it was seven, eight years, mm -hmm. and that way, and. You know, I had seen her kids through Facebook and stuff, just growing that way. But you forget about the pandemic and stuff like that. But it was so great um, yeah. this year. I mean, it was our cousin Heather. You Heather. Know. So it was. It's always wonderful to see Summer. family. Uh, yeah. No matter how long it's been, it was a beautiful thing to get to spend some time with you, Heather. Yeah. Uh, but another big thing that happened for us, Taj, at least for the foundation, is we launched our big August fundraiser. So it's partnered with Grief Coach. Um, it's our annual big fundraiser that we are doing. Um, and as the banner says below, the info is in the show notes. And basically, we are trying to raise $5,000 to help um, sponsor. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to get this, this graphic up first. But to sponsor uh, many, many kids here. Here's our fundraiser. Boom. So we are 535 of a goal, 5,000. And basically, we're teaming up with Grief Coach because we could sponsor 100 kids to get access to text messages and basically uh, counseling and therapy, therapy throughout the first year via text. And what I loved and what we loved about teaming up and, and going for this fundraiser is so many kids today I mean, for a lot of us adults, we're good with phone calls. Mm -hmm. We're good with meeting people face to face. But our kids, they've grown up via phones and text messages. So where it's it's a cool thing where it can meet their needs on their playing field, if that makes sense, via text. And it, it was a very uh, it's it's a great company that's doing the, the the work, and we are happy to team up. So if you want to make a donation and help us get to our goal to help. Like I said, hundreds of kids get through this difficult time of going through a grief. Make sure you click the link in the show notes um, and make a don donation. $5, $10, whatever you can do. If you could do more, that would be great. Um, it's a month-long uh, month fundraising event for Dee Dee Jackson Foundation. So, And I want to thank everyone who has um, already donated. Like I said, we're already at 535. This was as of, I believe, this morning. And um, it's a big thank you. So thank you all for, for supporting us and supporting our mission and, and helping, like I said, hundreds of people get through uh, the most tragic loss, losing a, a, a close, immediate family member. So thank you all. Yep. Um, Todd Jackson, anything else I need to talk about before we get to um, our show? No. We're good? I'm yeah, I'm excited to get to it. All right. So on today's episode of the Power of Love Show, we welcome special guest Marissa Renee Lee, a former appointee in the Obama White House and writer. Marissa Renee Lee says, grief requires a degree of vulnerability that America doesn't freely give Black Americans. You can't grieve when you can't breathe. The lack of safety and support is something we must learn to demand to fully heal from our many losses. Author Marissa Renee Lee shows what it looks like to live a full and joyful life after experiencing a life-changing loss. In her book, Grief is Love, 
she reveals that healing does not mean moving on. Healing means learning to acknowledge and create space for your grief forever. She guides you through the pain of grief, whether you lost a person recently or a long time ago. She shows you what it looks like to honor your loss on your unique terms. and She debunks the idea of grief stages or timelines. Living with loss requires you to learn how to love yourself and the one you lost with the same depth, passion, joy, and commitment you did when they were alive, perhaps even more. At its core, grief is love, explores what comes after death, and shows us that if we can own and honor what we've lost, we can have a beautiful and joyful life in the midst of grief. Marissa elegantly offers research-based advice and wisdom about what it means to claim space authentically and defiantly for these complicated feelings and emotions. She is no stranger to grief herself. In 2008, after a lengthy battle, she lost her mother to cancer. Shortly after, she lost her fertility, a pregnancy, and most recently, a cousin to the COVID-19 pandemic. These losses transformed her life and led her to question what grief really is and what healing truly requires. Marissa Renee Lee is a called upon advocate, writer, and speaker on coping with grief. She is a rabble rouser of social healing, former managing director of My Brother's Keeper Alliance, co-founder of the digital platform Supportal, and founder of the Pink Agenda, a national organization dedicated to raising money for breast cancer care research and awareness. She is a regular contributor to Glamour, Vogue, MSNBC, and CNN. She is a graduate of Harvard and an avid home cook. She lives with her husband, Matt, their newborn son, Bennett, and their dog, Sadie. Without further ado, everyone, please welcome to the show, Marissa Renee Lee. Marissa, I have to ask you. I see you smiling, laughing. Is what's what's springing up the smiles? Is it me butchering I mean, some of the words? That, no, no, no. It's just like that bio is ridiculous. Like I need to talk to somebody about no, trimming it's it down. It's a little over the top. Um, and no, no, no. Say, you're good. As you were reading, I was thinking like, oh, and then I wonder why I'm so tired. Like, what is wrong <laughs> with you, girl? Um. So yeah, that's. I was laughing at myself. <laughs> what in, in the bio says she's a rabble rouser of social healing <laughs> what is a rabble rouser i haven't heard that term it's basically a troublemaker oh. um i did an interview gosh it was probably in 2016 or 2017 uh for the chronicle on philanthropy and the reporter for the piece named me a rabble rouser for obama like at the mm. time i was helping build his My Brother's Keeper Alliance that's now a part of the Obama Foundation. And I'm sure I stirred up trouble lots of places. I'm sure I probably pissed some people off. I was aggressively trying to raise as much money as possible for boys and young men of color. And so he named me a rabble rouser. And for some reason, the title stuck. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm a troublemaker for good. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. Um <laughs> I, I, I've never heard the term rabble rouser, but what I love about it. <laughs> I don't think it, it's common anymore, but. <laughs> you, I, I love how you smile with it. So that you, you take it. I love it. Take it. <laughs> um, so you have obviously a very impressive resume uh, with so much experience and so many feels. What inspired you to focus your book on grief? Because it seems like it could have been on yeah. many different things, but why grief? 
Um, so I decided I was going to write a book on grief in 2008, in August of 2008. So right around now, a million years ago, um, it was six months after my mom died. And before my mom died, I spent all this time like preparing to lose her. You know, I did research on death and dying and grief. I made spreadsheets with, you know, what she wanted to do with various personal items, you know, what songs she wanted for her funeral. I talked to her about some of her big like fears and concerns and regrets at the end of her life. And I thought all of that was going to make it easier when it actually happened. Mm -hmm. But uh, as I think you two know well, it didn't. Like there, like there is truly nothing that can prepare you for the impact of losing someone you love, you know, someone you define as one of yours, your parent, your spouse, your child, your best friend, et cetera. And in my case, I mean, it was like I got hit by a truck, like it was awful. But because I had done all that preparation, I kept feeling like there must be something wrong with me for being so sad. You know, like you knew this was going to be sad. You knew this was going to be hard. Why are you having such a hard time with it? You know, I was judging myself. I was really ashamed of how, uh, of how upset I was until one day. And I'll be honest, I don't know what happened to shift things in my mind, but one day I just kind of hit a wall six months out and I was like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. Like my mom died and it's awful, but there's nothing wrong with me for feeling this way where the problem sits is in how we talk about grief and loss. You know, we, we think about, and you know, even just thinking about how it's represented in our culture, like in movies or TV shows, somebody dies, everybody goes to the funeral and then life goes on and it's just sort of over. And I felt like that was frankly bullshit. Mm -hmm. And so I decided August of 08, I was going to write a book about grief that told the truth about what grief really is that would not be super sad and depressing. And that would be a New York Times bestseller. So far, we've checked two out of the three boxes. Uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still waiting for the Times. Um, but I just I felt like I needed to get at how we define grief and then redefine it so that other people don't struggle the way that I did when my mom first died, thinking that there was something wrong with me. Mm. Why do you think that happens? Why, why do you think we, we sometimes think something is wrong with us when, when we go through loss? Yeah, I think it's like when we go through loss, I think it also happens when we go through other hard times um, in life. And I think, I think part of it has to do with the fact that we don't normalize these challenges and these like really difficult moments like grief or you know some of the challenges that some of us may experience around our mental health like we still view a lot of those things as things to be you know kind of hidden and quietly dealt with on your own like there is this this fear and concern about you know, your challenges than making other people feel bad. You know, you don't, you don't want to be around people when you're sad or having a hard time because, you know, that's like, that's like your thing to deal with and fix. But really being sad or struggling in any way, whether with grief or something else, like it's just a normal part of being human. Mm. And I think because we don't talk about or normalize these experiences and we tend to 
put the impetus on the person who is in pain to just fix themselves as quickly as possible, then when you are that person who's in pain, like you think, oh, like this is, this is my problem. Like this is my thing that I have to fix, that I have to deal with. You don't think about really reaching out and, and, you know, kind of sharing that experience with others as a part of healing. And I hope grief is love helps to change some of that. Yeah. Um, again, we are talking about uh, the book Grief is Love from author Marissa Renee okay. Lee. I want to also showcase, uh, here we go. Here's a, the, the slide. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Are, it's pretty. For, for those of you who are watching <laughs> on Facebook and YouTube, there is the book. Um, there is also a really cool comment I saw um, from Jennifer who says, <laughs> I have the book. I recommend it. I have it in oh. all formats, hard book, ebook, and audio. Audio. Oh, <laughs> so oh there you go, thank Mr. you so much, Jennifer. Um, um, wow, that is so lovely. Thank you. What, so if, we're talking about the book, Grief is Love, um, Marissa Renee Lee's book. I, I, I do have a question. Who would yeah. you say is the audience for your book? And what can readers who, who decide to get the book, what can they expect? So I wrote this book for anyone who has experienced grief um, and also for the people who are trying to figure out how to support someone who's grieving, you know, who's recently gone through a loss. And I, I believe that it's a book that anyone who's dealt with grief of any kind, you know, I center in the book, my experiences of losing my mom and losing a pregnancy and losing my cousin but I believe that the way that the book is written and the way that I define grief as the lived experience of learning how to live your life in the midst of a significant loss, like I believe that it applies to other things too. You know, when I think about grief, for me, it's, it's really all about the loss of a certain set of expectations that you had for yourself. You know, when I was in my 20s, I expected my relationship with my mom to continue the way that, you know, her relationship with her mom continued through adulthood and, you know, watching her become a parent and, you know, going through all of these different life milestones. And that was suddenly taken away from me. So yes, it applies to death, but I think that can also apply to things like being diagnosed with a serious illness or mm. going through a divorce or the loss of a job, you know, that, that loss of expectations for yourself of a set of, you know, hopes and dreams that you were counting on for your life. Uh, so I, I think, I think it can apply for anyone who's dealt with any form of grief. One of the things that is somewhat unique about this book relative to other books out there in the grief space is that I am black. It is written by a black woman. And I definitely do try to address the different impacts of race and gender and class on grief and grieving and healing from loss as well. That's great. So where can people get the book? Lisa? You can find the book pretty much anywhere books are sold. Amazon, <laughs> Target, Barnes and Noble. Also a lot of local independent bookstores have it. So you can find it on Bookshop. 
Um, and I would love for you to run out and buy it as soon as possible. Obviously. Um, I think it's, I think there's, I think there's a lot of benefit. I swear. Cool. I have a question in terms yeah. of, yeah. I always ask this in terms, cause I think it's making that step to, to create a book or to make a book in, in that way. Was that intimidating at any point or is it something oh. that you knew you had to do? Cause. Oh Lord. Um, so you know, this book is something that I feel like has been living inside of me that I've been thinking about and, you know, that I've had sort of in the background of my brain since 2008, but there's a lot of reasons why it didn't get started until 2020. Mm -hmm. um, starting with just, it is really intimidating to write a book, you know, as a first time mm -hmm. author, like I didn't know anything about the publishing industry and like editors and agents and, you know, how the contracts work and what the process is like, like, I didn't know anything. And I, you know, I was determined to get this book out there eventually. But I think in my case, I was really lucky with kind of how it all came together very quickly, based on an article that I wrote in the spring of 2020. And even so, like, even though I had a ton of support in terms of, you know, family and friends cheering me on and an amazing, brilliant editor and an agent who was supportive. Like there were so many times where I was just like, what the hell am I doing? Um, lots of like imposter syndrome type vibes, you know, feeling like I'm not actually a good enough writer to write an entire book. And, you know, also books are kind of long. Like, do I really actually have that much to say about grief? Um, and then I also, and this ended up very positive, but, you know, my husband said to me one day, like, what makes you a grief expert? Like, why should somebody buy your book? And I didn't smack him or anything like that um, <laughs> because I realized he was asking it as a way of being helpful. And I said, you know what? Like, I am not a grief expert. Like if you were to drop dead tomorrow, somebody would probably have to come scrape me up off the floor. You know, like I would be a mess. So why don't I tell my story and share, you know, what I think grief looks like, what I think healing looks like supported by research. So like, why don't I actually leverage the, the true experts, you know, the people who have doctor in front of their name, who are doing research day in and day out on grief and loss and trauma and racism and make that what this book is about too. And that, you know, it was, it was a moment that started out as one of like insecurity that actually turned into something I think really positive because now everything in grief is love is supported by the leading research and data connected to grief right. and loss and healing. Um, but yeah, it was super, super intimidating. Super. Intimidating. Yeah. So if anyone out there is like, Oh my God, I could never write a book. You can, but it is intimidating and hard, but like you can do it. Yeah. So you may, you may have answered this question in that answer, but um, when it specifically, so uh, what, what would you say was the biggest thing you've learned about yourself while writing grief is love? Oh man. Um, and then on top of that, I would like to know yeah. how your grief changed. Did okay. it change? Okay. Did it change? I should say, did it change before I say how it changed? Did it change or shift during the process of bringing the book to life? So first to that question. Yes. I'll come back to that. Um, what is the biggest thing I learned about myself? I think one big surprising thing uh, that I definitely struggled with that was like a few sessions in therapy 
um, I realized that I was mad at my mom. You know, like mm-hmm. it is very common for bereaved children to feel anger, which is really just feelings of abandonment, usually. You know, like I was mad that she died. You know, I was mad that I'm left to figure out all of this grief. I was mad that because she died, she then wasn't there when we lost our pregnancy. Like I was just, turns out, like I was just really fucking mad. Um, so that was a surprise. I did not see that coming. Um, the other thing I learned, and I say this, especially to people who are thinking about writing or, you know, taking on other big projects, like you all have, like starting a foundation or starting a show, like you really have to believe in yourself first when you are creating something from scratch, because there are always going to be a million logical reasons why you shouldn't do something new. Um, and so if you are, you know, watching this show and feeling like there is something that you want to do with your grief, that is, you know, more than just figuring out how to live with it and, you know, going to therapy, et cetera. Like if you have a book, if you have a podcast, if you have some idea for a project, like if you believe in it, like you, you have to hold onto that belief tightly in order to actually see the thing through. And I think, you know, from the process of writing the book, I realized that I like actually didn't believe in myself enough and had to figure out how to get there. Um, and it, it took a minute, but obviously I got there and the book came out and it's all, it's all great. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful, but it's, it's really, really hard. And one of the things that one of my girlfriends said to me one day when I was complaining to her about, you know, just how hard it was to write this book. Um, she said, things that are hard have the power to transform us and we get to decide what that transformation looks like. Mm-hmm. So in response to your other question, like, yes, my grief has changed. And I think, I think this book and, you know, everything that I had to do to put it together gave me more opportunities to heal myself in different ways. Um, I learned a lot about so many of my tendencies and, you know, even just like how I move through the world on an ordinary Tuesday, how much of that is connected to becoming a young caretaker for my mom and then, you know, watching her die. So like, I feel like I developed a better understanding for myself and I also came to see where grief shows up more in my life and just like a better understanding for why that happens sometimes, you know, based on all the research that I did, you know, I don't, what I don't want anyone to think is like, Oh, like she put this beautiful book out and to see me, you know, smiling at book events and doing interviews and think that I've like figured it all out because I haven't. Um, Last week was actually a really hard week for me on the grief front where going through a bunch of different positive life changes over here, but change is one of my grief triggers. So I feel like I learned more about myself, both what I need in order to be okay living with loss and also what things are most likely to trigger, you know, sort of a grief response um, from me. Miss Silent Siren says, I need to get my hands on this book, but just listening (laughs) and absorbing the conversation really is helping me. Uh, Constantine says, I just purchased your book. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, yours truly, April says, I'm going to purchase two copies for two people <laughs> that I know are going through grief right now. 
Now, Jiang says, I will purchase this book. I feel it's going to help me cope with the passing of my grandparents. Aww. I lost both of them last year. I'm um, sorry. I, I, I do want to ask you, what would you say to someone who's dealing with a first loss or oh. doesn't have much experience going through um, such a pivotal and, and life-changing yeah. moment such as losing a parent or grandparent or sibling? What, what would you just, what would you tell them? So, I mean, the first thing is always just, I'm so sorry. You know, like there is there, I think there is nothing that any of us can say to someone who is like just now experiencing grief for the first time, you know, like just lost a parent today, for instance. Um, but I still think it's important to like acknowledge it and say that I'm sorry. And then I would tell them that whatever, whatever you're feeling today as like, not okay as it is like it is okay and it is perfectly normal you know like no matter how destroyed you feel by what has just happened like i just i think it's really important to normalize the experience of pain and devastation because if you just lost someone who you identify as one of yours like that's that's probably what you're feeling and that is that is okay. It is normal. It's really important to name those feelings. And so I hope that you'll give yourself permission to do that. And then I would just encourage them to extend themselves a lot of grace and compassion. Mm. Like early grief is, it is a dark, hard, heavy place. And, you know, I wish that someone had just encouraged me to just kind of be with that and not suppress it, not ignore it, not try to shove it down, not constantly reach for distractions. Like those were all the things that I did right after my mom died because I felt like I couldn't deal with the pain. Like it was too much and I feared that it would overwhelm me. But the research tells us that the only thing that makes feelings that are you know difficult to deal with and difficult to process worse is when we don't acknowledge them. When we acknowledge them, we reduce their power over us and begin to aid the healing process. And so, you know, if you're deep in it, I, I hope that you are able to acknowledge what you're feeling and show yourself some compassion and grace because it's really hard. Yeah. Um, Anna says, normalizing pain, that is so true. Pain can unite us instead of isolate us. And Angie says, ignoring yeah. grief just makes it worse. Exactly. Um, I tried. Couple, I failed. <laughs> and a couple more um, uh, about your book. I have to share it. Um, my life, my heart, <laughs> my survival says I'm descending on Amazon after the life to locate the book. <laughs> so that's also going to be in our show notes to uh, my life, my hurdles and my survival. So you could check out a link there to get to the book. Um, and Sequoia just purchased the audio. I'm sure it will help me with grieving oh. the loss of my sister and dad. I hope so. I'm sorry. Okay. So, um, Marissa, we are going to switch gears because I have you do many different things and I, and we're running already shorter on time. <laughs> I, I have to know about the digital platform that you co-founded called Supportal. Yeah. Sounds very cool. Um, what inspired you to help create something like this and what is the mission of Supportal? Yeah. So my girlfriend and I, and my, my girlfriend is a two-time cancer survivor herself and her mom almost died from breast cancer twice. So she's, you know, been through her own stuff. And 
because of what we've both been through, people would always, you know, call or text us when something bad happens to like somebody else they know, you know, like we get the text when so-and-so's coworker just had a miscarriage or this person has like a new serious illness or, you know, like we've been casually behind the scenes advising people on how to support folks during tough times. And we thought one day, you know, what if we just like found a way to like put this information online um, so that it's not just our friends texting us, but other people can come and read stories about, you know, the worst things that have happened to someone and then what someone did to support them, you know, like how someone showed up for them when these tragedies took place so that folks can then get ideas for how to support their own loved ones and colleagues and friends when terrible things happen in their lives. Um, and our big thing, you know, people always ask like, you know, what do I do? So, so-and-so just lost someone. Our biggest thing is like, do something, do not, ask them what they need. Do not ask them how you can help. Like their brains are literally overwhelmed by the loss that they have just experienced. So you just need to, as the support person, make a plan and show up in some kind of way, whether it's bringing them a meal or, you know, mowing their lawn or watching Mm -hmm. their kids, or, you know, even just sending a, sending a gift that maybe reminds you of the person they lost. Like, there are a million different things you can do, but my biggest thing is like, you have to do something. Mm, that's fantastic. Okay. So advice, yeah. that is not all you do though. Um, you <laughs> also have founded uh, <laughs> the pink agenda, um, another organization, right? So tell us about the pink agenda, how it differs and what that is. And, and yeah. also what was your goal in launching the pink agenda? So uh, first of all, I have a problem. I just routinely start things every few years. It started in fifth grade with a babysitting business that my best friend Allison and I launched after reading the Babysitter's Club series. So I have, you're right, way too many things um, going at once. Thankfully, I don't manage them all anymore. (laughs) Uh, But the Pink Agenda was started in honor of my mom, Lisa, when she was actually still alive, battling stage four breast cancer. And you know, I had this moment where I I realized what I could do to support my mom was fundamentally limited by the fact that she was going to die. And like, there was nothing I could do to stop that from happening. So then it was like, you know, what can I do? Well, I am known for being pretty fun and good at throwing parties and socializing. This was also me now, gosh, almost 20 years ago. Um, and I have generally been known for being shameless when it comes to trying to do good, you know, rabble rouser title coming back to Hami. <laughs> um, and so some friends and I, we decided we were going to throw a party to raise money for breast cancer. And after we threw the first party, there were requests from people all across the country to throw more parties with the focus being, you know, getting young professionals engaged in the fight to end breast cancer at the earliest age possible you know, like don't delay your philanthropy, like start making investments in this issue that you care about now so that hopefully over the course of, you know, our lifetimes, we'll be able to see like a very real impact that we've made. And so once the interest was there, we were like, okay, I guess we have to figure out how to start a nonprofit. Um, And a bunch of 23 and 24 year olds started an organization that now lives with the Breast Cancer Research Foundation as 
sort of their vehicle for engaging young people in the fight. That's great. So cool. So, yeah. cool. so and then also you, <laughs> um, you've graduated from Harvard, which I did. It's an amazing <laughs> conference. You wrote a critically acclaimed book where in appointing the Obama White House, um, you are, you are a wife and a mother who has founded organizations and digital platforms. We, we named some of them. Um, another question is, did grief affect any of your life accomplishments along the way? Oh, yes. And if so, how? Yes. And then, yes, and yes, then yes. second, it oh. begs the question, what is next for you? So, cause I'm curious <laughs> with all that you've done, I would love to know how grief has shaped uh, your, your road to get there. Oh, it's been, I will tell you from the beginning. So, you know, my mom first got sick when I was 13 and I, at that point was already like nerdy, high achieving kid trying to start all sorts of good trouble. Um, and I decided that, you know, no matter what was going to happen with my mom, I was going to do everything I could to help my dad, like take care of her. Cause you know, at that point she had MS, but I was also going to do whatever I could to make her proud because like, that was like the least I could offer, you know? And so from that point, I became even more hyper-competitive and intensely focused on excelling at school, you know, starting organizations at school. I started a nonprofit when I was 15, focused on mentoring at-risk youth. Like I was like on it because I felt like that was the best thing I could do to help my mom. And then I was fortunate enough to get into Harvard. My essay was about my mom and like being a young caretaker and how challenging that was. And I thought at that point, like, okay, now I'm good. I'm going to be able to graduate, get a good job, continue to help my mom and dad. And then the week I was graduating from college, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so, you know, even though I just graduated from Harvard, I felt like I should take a year off and just like help my mom and dad figure this out. And so that's what I did. Um, and then once things were stable and I went to work, one of the first things I did, not as a part of my full-time job on Wall Street, was start the Pink Agenda, this breast cancer nonprofit. Because once again, I felt like, you know, I want to do whatever I can to support my mom and, and make her proud and bring her as much happiness as possible in whatever time she has left. Um, and then she died and I, like a big part of my grief story is entitlement. Like in the months following her death, I felt like I should be entitled to basically whatever I want professionally since, you know, God, the universe, whoever you want to blame, like took my mom. Mm -hmm. And so I harassed everyone I knew until I found my way into the Obama administration, because that's where I felt like I belonged. And, you know, I, I obviously wasn't able to work on the campaign or do any of that stuff because I was still taking care of my mom at the time. But I was like, these people, these people just need to give me a job. Like they need to give me a job. They need to give me a chance. And I got them to do that. Um, and I got to spend four years between um, the small business administration and the white house working on issues that I really cared about and, you know, having an opportunity to just to focus on, you know, my career and doing things again that I felt like would make my mom proud. Um, and I stayed with the president in a variety of roles until 2017. Um, 
at which point I decided that I wanted to do something in this space around grief and healing and trauma. So again, motivated by my grief. And that's when we founded Supportal. Um, and at the same time, I also run a small consulting firm. And then it was my pregnancy loss and being forced to confront all of the grief that came with that in the midst of a global pandemic when we were all grieving that led to grief is love. Um, so yeah, I mean, my, my grief and my professional career have been like this since I was a teenager. Um, and now, you know, what's next? I am, I am actively trying to figure that out. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of things that I could potentially do with this book. You know, it seems to really be resonating with folks and because of the way my brain works, you know, I can't shut off the business strategist, like former white house staffer part. Um, so I definitely think there's some policy work that can be done in the grief space. I mm -hmm. see lots of opportunities for public private partnerships. Like I have tons of ideas. Uh, I just need a little bit more time than I have right now to actually implement any of them. <laughs> well, you definitely are a busy person. Um, <laughs> that's a good thing. You know, you have a lot to offer the world. So it's, it's wonderful that you're doing as much as you're doing. Um, question, how can people learn more about Supportal, the pink agenda. Um, we already mentioned uh, Grief is Love is available on all bookstores, so that's easy. But is there a specific place, a home for you and all you are doing? Because people love you, uh, Marissa. Mm, I, I yeah. think you've maybe been seeing some of the stuff, but as Rydell says, you're such a powerful agent and says you're, <laughs> um, you're truly an inspiration. Thank uh, you. says you're a great role model, Miss Lee. <laughs> And Angie says she's a hard and smart worker. So <laughs> where can people Thank learn you. more about everything? Is it your website? Is that the best place yes. to start? So head to marissarenaley.com and definitely follow me on Instagram. That is where I share the most. Um, but I'm kind of bad at social media. So definitely <laughs> go to marissarenaley.com. Okay. Um, all right. So there's a couple of things I'm going to say for the very, very end, the closure. But... Um, what when we warned you, Marissa, what we like yeah. to do on the Power of Love show, we like to give our, our guests the final say. You could talk about anything you want to talk about. You could talk about your book. You could talk about mm -hmm. an, a future idea you have for whatever, another project. You can even talk about your favorite show on Netflix or mm -hmm. movie or dance or song or album, um, whatever you want to talk about. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll be honest. I've been so boring lately because as you can tell, all I've been doing is working and trying to sleep. Um, but a couple things, a couple things that have, um, that have gotten me through this just incredibly intense period. So first of all, I am a Peloton person. So if anyone watching is a Peloton person, I am leading the pack on Peloton, although I am never leading anybody, just to be clear, I'm not that good but I do enjoy it. Um, I also, this is so dorky. I have started building a playlist for my 40th birthday party, nice. uh, which isn't until January, but these are the things when I'm on, if I'm on like a boring work call or like watching my son, but really looking at my phone, even though I shouldn't be, um, I've been adding songs and I just want to say, 
Timbaland. Like he is a gift. Like there are so many jams from like high school and college. I'm like, yes, this is going on the playlist. Yes, this is going on the playlist. Um, what else have I been excited about lately? Oh, the other thing you should know if you choose to follow me, I love food. Food is my thing. Um, it has definitely gotten harder with a little baby to find free time to make elaborate recipes, but I'm still spending a ton of time in the kitchen and have been baking a lot. Like it was definitely, I became another one of those people. I mean, I was a baker before, but during the pandemic, I was like, there's some recipes that I am just going to really try to nail. Um, so I have the perfect brownie recipe. I have what I think is a pretty perfect chocolate chip cookie recipe. And then this one actually connects to my grief. I wanted to perfect a like traditional yellow cake with chocolate buttercream frosting and rainbow sprinkles. And I think I have found the perfect recipe, not one that I came up with myself, but one that Ooh. the internet has blessed me with. So wow. those are some wow. random, some random thoughts for you to close. I love up. it. I love it. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. Okay, so uh, Marissa, we've talked about Grief is Love, which is now on the screen for anyone watching on Facebook and YouTube. This is what the book looks like. It's called Grief is Love, Living with Loss by Marissa Renee Lee. You can find it on Bookshop. Um, you can find it on Amazon at Target um, and any pretty much anywhere books are sold. And as we have mentioned there is also um, an audio book. A couple mm -hmm. of you have already downloaded that. And Constantine oh. says, I love that you are narrating your audio book. You have a beautiful voice. Thank I love you. it too. I love it when authors do yeah. their own narration. Um, I, I have to tell you guys just real quick. I know we're probably at time, but a story about the audio book narration. So Let's hear it. there was all this back and forth because I agreed to do it my agent was like, they're not, they're not paying you not, you know, whatever. I was like, no, but it's my book. Like I'm going to do it. It's not going to be a random person. So because of all that back and forth, then when we finally nailed down the dates to record, I ended up being in the recording studio, reading this book during the 10 day period between my mom's birthday and the anniversary of her passing. Mm. So it was like, so emotional. Like I actually, I had to stop when you get to the scene where I actually like talk about my mom dying because it was just like, it's like, this is the time of year when it had like, it just, mm. Oh my God, it was so hard. So anytime anyone is excited about the audiobook, I'm so grateful because it was not easy to get that together. Mm. Well, you have people out there, as I've mentioned, and Todd is a big audiobook guy. He, he always asks our guests, is there going to be an audiobook? So <laughs> because it, we beat him to it, he didn't have to ask that. But <laughs> There's many, <laughs> there's many out there that enjoy audiobooks. So I'm very happy you you did that and, and thought of them. Yeah. Um, some other comments I want to share is here's Caitlin who says, What an amazing resource you have welcomed Aww. into the world. You Thank should be you. so proud of that accomplishment. The grief community thanks you. Um, completely agree. She also says, Things this is a quote you did, things that are are hard have the power to transform us, and we get to choose. Uh, what that transformation looks like. She loved that quote. Um, <laughs> Paula also says, yes, grief is love. If you didn't love them, you wouldn't experience it as hard and for so long. Thank you for re reminding me that my grief is not just tears and loss, but simply my love for my dad. It's beautiful. Yes. Um, that's that's wonderful, Paula. And, and again, thank you, uh, Marissa, for reminding our community of that. Um, another thing we have to do is is highlight some super chats um, that came in. 
Um, most of them are geared towards your birthday, Taj, which is Aww. what tomorrow. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Happy early birthday from Lala Chan. It says happy early birthday, Taj. Hope you have many more birthdays to come. Me too. Yours truly, April with the super chat says happy birthday, Taj. May you have many more blessed years. Love Thank you, you. Um, Jennifer. Who says early born day, Taj? If we donate today on here, Super Chats, will this money go towards your fundraisers for a grief coach? So proud of you, meaning through these super chats. Yes, so Jennifer, YouTube takes a small cut of these chats, but what we get goes into our programs. And this month, starting with this show, they will all go into um, our fundraiser as well for Grief mm-hmm. Coach. Uh, Miss Silent Siren says, Happy early birthday, Taji. Uh, Caleb says, happy birthday, Taj. Wish you many more to come. I've just made a 3T fire video for you guys. Very cool. Um, and then Philippa, Taj, says, happy birthday, Taj. May God bless you today and every day. So, And then you got a bunch of others from our community wishing you the absolute best, Taj. But it's not your day. It's tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're not going to let it last. We yeah. just, we're done. We can stop talking about it. We, we, this was on your day. Well, happy mm-hmm. early birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, um, Marissa. always like bittersweet. TJ, you know why? Because it's just like August starts with my birthday, but then ends with the passing of my mom's anniversary thing. So oh, it's gosh, a, August yeah. is always a weird month. So That's I never tough. always lean into my birthday because I know what's coming up in that way. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's real. I, um, I appreciate all the uh, birthday things. I that's do. hard. Marissa, I want to thank you on behalf of Taj, my eldest brother and the entire DD Jackson foundation board and the community. I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom, for spending Absolutely. some time with us. Um, we learned a lot. And again, for anyone out there, it's uh, it's an amazing book. So many of you guys out there have already been picking it up. It's called Grief is Love, Living with Loss by Marissa Renee Lee. It's available on all the the places you get your books, Amazon, Target, um, Bookshop. It's a place I didn't even know existed, but I'm (laughs) going to mention it like I knew. Um, But yes, Marissa, we just want to thank you for joining us. And we hope you you. enjoyed your time. You're welcome back anytime. Maybe when this, the, the follow-up book comes out, just <laughs> saying it, you know, just saying it. Um, but no, really, anytime you want to come back, you're more than welcome. Um, we we believe in, in helping anyone get through grief, and that's also sharing what other people are doing. So any other projects yeah. you have, please let us know, and we'd love to broadcast it and, and help people find it. Um, Thank you so much. Taj, am, am I missing anything else, Taj? No. No. Well, okay. So there is one more big thing that just came through the wire. I have to highlight, and that is a generous, generous super chat from Jennifer, who says, Thank you. Trying to add it all up. Donations. Um, B Day, love to Taj, and much love to Marissa and Renee Lee. Buy your book and much love to Taj. Jennifer, thank you so much. Um, this will definitely help our fundraiser. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, Jennifer, Marissa, I think you saw it from earlier. Jennifer's a big supporter of you. Yes. You had your book in every format. (laughs) And and that thinks the world of you. Um, Okay. We are going to sign off. We will be back next Wednesday, everyone. Again, in the show notes, you'll see a link uh, to the book, Marissa's book, but also to our fundraiser we are doing. We love you all. Please be safe. We will be back next Wednesday at 1 p.m. And that's it for now. Please be safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Adios, everyone.